Are you ready, Christine? Sure am. Are you ready, Ma? I want my $200. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to Kansas. We are doing the 1973 movie Paper Moon. When a 1930s con man is approached by a young girl claiming to be his daughter, he takes her on the road with him. We are doing Paper Moon. It is available to watch for free if you have Amazon Prime right now. I suggest you watch it. I enjoyed okay. it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was like, yeah, just, just hanging me out to dry, guys. <laughs> Paper Moon. It had its Hollywood premiere on April 9th, 1973. That's why I picked it. Cause... Oh, my God. That was what? yesterday. Uh-huh. What? And it's U.S. premiere. It premiered wide on May 9th, 1973. The Particulars is produced by Frank Marshall, who also did The Sixth Sense, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Color Purple, and directed Arachnophobia and Alive. Nerd alert, he's married to Kathleen Kennedy, who, along with Steven Spielberg and himself, founded a little company called Ambland Entertainment. Mm. And in 2018, he was the Irving G. Thalberg Award recipient at the that year's Academy Awards for his lifetime achievement. The director is Peter Bogdanovich, who also did the last picture show, What's Up, Doc? And they all laughed. He just recently passed away in January of 2022. Screenplay is by Alvin Sargent, who also wrote Julia, Ordinary People, and What About Bob? It's based on the 1971 novel, Addie Prey, by Joe David Brown, who also wrote Stars in My Crown and Kings Go Forth. Uh, in the book, the characters are established in Alabama and travel throughout the South and around Memphis, Another difference is that Addie's age in the book is 12, and in the movie it's nine. Nine. Yeah, nine. And events were combined for pacing in the film. And in the last third of the novel, Addie and Moses are big time, and they go after Mm -hmm. a partnership with a fake millionaire. They go into business with a, like, their cons just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they're in the big time. The director of photography is Laszlo Kovacs, who also shot Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, and Ghostbusters. The editor is Verna Fields, who also did Jaws, What's Up Doc, and American Graffiti. And I went into her a lot on the Jaws episode. She was the vice president for, she ended up becoming vice president for feature production at Universal Studios. And she has a building named after her on the Universal lot. It's the Verna Fields building, and it is across from the Alfred Hitchcock building. So she was a big time. The production and costume design are by Polly Platt, who also produced Broadcast News, Say Anything, and Bottle Rocket, and is one of the, I guess you would call like a hidden figure of film, history like she 
never has gotten the credit that she deserved because obviously she's a woman, but like really had her hands in so many of the big films and all the credit seemed to go to all the men. And yet the common thread with a lot of them was like this woman, Polly Platt. And we remember she was married to Peter Bagdanovich, who was having an affair with Sybil Shepherd during the last mm. picture show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're still together. Because I think he did the oh. last picture show and then What's Up, Doc, and then this film. Starring Ryan O'Neill as Moses Prey. He was also in Love Story, Barry Lyndon, What's Up, Doc. Nerd Alert, he trained as a boxer before he turned to acting in 1960. Tatum O'Neill as Addie Loggins. She was in The Bad News Bears and Nickelodeon and Little Darlings. This is her film debut. Madeline Kahn as Trixie Delight. She was in <laughs> Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, The Muppet Movie. And Nerd Alert, she graduated from Hofstra University with a degree in speech therapy. Really? Mm-hmm. You looked at Hofstra for a little bit. Mm-hmm. John Hillerman as Deputy Hardin. He was also in the last picture show, Blazing Saddles, Chinatown, and Higgins from Magnum P.I. It's big in our house when I was a kid. Uh, Burton Gillum as Floyd. He was also in Blazing Saddles, Fletch, and Honeymoon in Vegas. P.J. Johnson as Emma Jean. She was in Texas. Paper Moon. Well, this was Paper Moon, but there was a TV show in 1974 about Paper Moon. Hmm. Or, you know, Paper Moon. And guess who played the Tatum O'Neill part? I know. Mm-hmm. I Jod- don't. Jodie Foster. Oh. Yeah. But it didn't go well. I do not remember that at all, but I was in college, so I wasn't around. Yeah, the TV. you're yeah, you're out moonshining, running moonshine and Meet, meet my pa. <laughs> About this time, I was I was in Pa's trailer a bit. <laughs> oh my! We have James N. Harnell Harnell as the minister. He was also in JFK, Varsity Blues, and The Great Waldo Pepper. Noble Winningham Willingham as Mr. Robertson. He was in Chinatown, City Slickers, and Norma Ray. And we have Randy Quaid as Leroy. He was in the National Lampoon's Vacation movies, and let's just end it there with him. <laughs> so, did he, he get canceled? Well, it's not that he got canceled. He's just got a lot of. Uh, he's just very outspoken in his oh. political views. Oh yes, I remember. Like, like, yeah. like, 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 really, like, really out there. You know, like. Not 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 merely a conservative. He's in the mm. yeah, in the mm. the movie starts with young Addie at her mother's graveside funeral. A young man comes running up to pay his respects. He knew Addie's mother in the biblical sense. <laughs> the Two women and minister at the gravesite convinced the complete strange young man to take Addie across the state of Kansas to her aunt's house in St. Joseph, Missouri. What could go wrong? <laughs> just, just 
Take this little complete girl. stranger <laughs> runs up, steals flowers off of somebody else's grave, brings them, and they go, "Hey." Well, also his you hear him like his car is coming up. It's like, push, push, push. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> we have. I counted one person of color. I I don't think there were others in the background anywhere. Mm-mm. No, I just had the one. So I'm interested in your vision of cast in this movie. I'm uh, both of you. Teeny, you may go first. <laughs> well, so we have Emma Jean, and she is the. What would you? I call her an indentured servant. Because yeah. the thing is, yeah. is that so this movie takes place in 1936, and she, I think Emma Jean's backstory was that she left because a lot of kids had to leave during the Depression to go out and find work. So it wasn't, sadly, it wasn't too uncommon for somebody to have to leave. And so I think that Emma Jean left, and then she realized I, she did that I've made a horrible mistake, but she couldn't get back to her family because she couldn't afford the ticket to get back home. And so and they she, probably couldn't afford to have her back home. Right. And so then she um, ended up with this girl with Trixie, who's played by Madeline Kahn. And because she's going to work for her as like her maid, her servant basically, and she'll get money and save it up to leave. But, you know, Trixie knows the situation and she knows where she is in America and what the deal is. So she sometimes pays her, sometimes does it, never pays her what she's supposed to. And Emma Jean is stuck with this woman because she can't afford like she's like because when she gets pushed by Addie, like, why are you with her? She's like, what am I going to do? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just basically it's just the, the cast in America. Nobody ever thinks of like, hey. How, how is this woman? How are you doing? Do you want to be here? Do you want to be doing this? There's there's never any welfare checks, nothing. And she'd probably go, I mean, she would go to another situation that was similar or worse. Or worse. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, it was definitely involuntary. Yes. Yes, but involuntary. she was funny. <laughs> she was great. I found, did you guys find the article? The, there was a New York Times The New York Times one? Yeah, so listen. Where the fucking rude title? The yes, thank you. Title Jeannie. of the article from the New York Times, 1973, is "How an Overweight 15 Year Old Found <gasps> Happiness on a Movie Set," and yes. it's like all about her being a plump Houston schoolgirl. Oh my god! I know, but they did like. I mean, it was her like kind of went somebody else the model to an audition and she was like she said she got it because she called she told Bogdanovich that he was a handsome man yeah and um but she seems awesome like when they were interviewing her they let they said she was like laid out on a bed like a movie star like throwing pieces of paper up into the air um and she just seemed cool, but they were, she said all her, she was a ninth grader in school and all of her classmates kept asking her when she was going to start rolling up in a Cadillac, but she was still driving her mom's Toyota. Um, because yeah. her parents put all of her money into like a trust fund for her, but they did bring up, um, 
the role she played and her dad was just like I you know I didn't think too much about it because we were like so happy with her being on film but we did talk to her about it and she you know she wasn't born in that era so I don't think she really they were like I don't think she really for me I was like it seemed like she does she was just thrilled to be like acting on screen right, um, right. I think it was more her parents that were probably like oh um but yeah it was it was like the way she seems cute but yeah I was like that's fucking rude how an overweight 15 year old found happy like what about anything needed to be mentioned of her weight at all? Exactly. And, and, and she was a normal-sized person. Yes, yes, she was. I, so I did my homework because I'd already seen this movie many times before. So I was doing my homework before this. And I came across the article and I'm like, well, that's funny. It's been a while since I've seen it. But I don't remember her as being overweight. Okay. And then I watched the film and I'm like, wait, uh, excuse me, a cotton pick a minute. <laughs> uh, no she is just, yeah they made her out to be like she was precious you know yeah they and they precious in the in the film somebody yeah but but precious the film that came out with right was, right yeah but that was this movie was made way before I my know, precious I know, reference I know, I know, I know, but I know. it was it was just wild that 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 would be such a thing and her her parents seemed like they um like she was really leaning into being a teenager and a movie star and like at one point they she says somebody told me i'm the best black actress since ruby d and she's like <laughs> yeah. i don't know who ruby d is and her parents are just like horrified yeah. and like I think her dad said Ruby D was a serious actress, not a comedian like you. Yeah, her parents are just—they seem—they seem like they had great head on heads on their shoulders and stuff, putting their her money in a trust and stuff. But that she—they're just like, oh my, have we created a monster here? What is going on? That's uh, probably why she didn't do much more. They were like, you, no, you're not. Well, I read that I do have that in my tasty titties that she had a falling out with the um she had a fall out over money with her agent and she says that mm -hmm. she, Well, they, that sounds about right based on how she was acting. Mhm. Mm and that the agent blackballed her from Houston to the Mississippi River. Oh, wow. But she ended up getting her master's in mass communications from Texas Southern University, and she's written and directed plays with very famous playwrights. She's directed radio and TV ads, and apparently she's very active on social media. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, calling out people like Randy Quaid. <laughs> Outstanding. Oddly enough. Yeah, so she seems like she's had a, a nice life for herself and, and enjoys it, and if you're on social media, you can follow her and see what she's what's up her, to what's her social media name i don't know i'm, I'm sure you can find it <laughs> oh yeah we on can the, find it erin on the interwebs okay so we are to nerd alerts and i have a quick one okay this um takes place in kansas the movie not the book and Kansas is the geographic center of the United States of America, north, south, east, west. And I looked up the name of the place where they were because I saw it on the train station. 
but I don't have that right now. And it was like in the middle of Kansas. Uh, so so they the were middle like of the middle in the middle of the middle of the geographic center of the United States of America. You may proceed. All right. So the movie came out in May 1973. So this was what was happening in the United States, in the world in 1973. We have CBS sells the Yankees to George Steinbrenner and 12 other people for $10 million. Which, how did CBS mm. get the Yankees? And then I know. it seems like a steal. And they actually sold it for like $3 million less than what they bought it for. So uh, he got a steal, Jerry, a steal. <laughs> Oh, the Miami Dolphins complete the first and only perfect season by defeating the team formerly known as the Washington football team in the Super Bowl. Perfect season means they didn't lose a single game. They didn't. They, yeah. But you don't know about this. Like, so every year that there's been a team that's undefeated, as soon as they lose the 70, because they're referred to as the 72 Dolphins, but the Super Bowl was in 73, so that's why I bring it up. Right. Every time that the teams lose, they pop open champagne, like the remaining people who are alive. Yeah. yeah. So remember when the Patriots, they were undefeated going into the Super Bowl, and like these these old, crusty Miami Dolphins were getting very, very angry about it. And then when they they lost the, to the Giants, they just like ripped open the champagne and just started toasting again. Oh, excellent. Um, Nixon sworn in for a second term and announces the suspension of offensive action in North Vietnam. And then later with the Paris Peace Accords, those are signed, thus ending the U.S. military involvement in Vietnam. Uh Roe v. Wade... The Supreme Court overturns states' bans on abortion. How's that going? How can as well, how can it come back and be overturned again? Because since 1973, people have been plotting and been big mad, <laughs> and they've just done a whole long slow con of never forgetting that Roe v. Wade was a thing. So they're like, "No, women, you will have those children." But what about a social safety net for said children? No, we can't have that either. Mm. So, and and many of the women are not going to have the children, but they're going to injure themselves permanently or die from having illegal. Or let me just put this out here: like you know, go on the interwebs and do some research because there have been medical advances where you can take pills and such so maybe look into if you can get a teleconference a telephone thing with a physician in a state that's not yours and then get a pill shipped from China to you just saying maybe hypothetically that's something another option before mm-hmm. you go to the alley that this is we do have uh, people who are on it who are, who are on ways it's so that you don't have to be forced to have a child that you don't Unbelievable want to, to me that the party of no big government is telling women how to... No, it, forcing and, women to have children. Shout out to Planned Parenthood. Yes. And my, oh. one of my best friends since I was a child works from Planned Parenthood and just got promoted to being a regional director... Wow. And I was texting with him 
and asking like, what's like, what's your new job specifics? And he said, he sent me a map. It's a lot of states. And he said, I help patients from states where abortion is outlawed to, to safe states. Oh, wow. Providing technical and operational assistance to affiliates in my region and coordinating with the campaign directors to get ahead of new laws since Roe is about to be overruled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well done. The, yes, doing, truly doing the, the good work that is out there. And there are, hey, you know, one of the benefits that's yin and yang to everything, one of the benefits about all these pill mills sending all these pills over from China is that they could be sending over some abortion pills also. Like, let's just get those, you know? You could be a kid and you, you can get pills sent directly to you. Hey, I, I'm like, let's, uh, let's, let's get down dirty, you know? Oh, you want to take this away? All right. We got other means. And it's the same means that y'all use to do your all nefariousness. So, ha-ha, internet. Ha-ha. <laughs> oh, what else? Oh, this was interesting. Lyndon Baines Johnson, president, he dies. And therefore, he leaves no living former U.S. presidents until Nixon resigns in the following year of 74. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, there were no... He, he checks out the game, and like now we have all these presidents that they, they come out the woodwork. Yeah, and one that needs to just stay in the woodwork. <laughs> Are you talking about Carter? No, he... Oh, no. Oh, I don't even count him. That's, that's, I erased him. no. No, President Carter is working with Woodwork to oh. to build homes for people. Oh, yeah, I is got he, what you're is saying. Is he 100 yet? Yeah, that's why I thought, because you have a thing of like, once people get to a certain age, they shall not be seen. No, not, not President Carter. He can be seen. Okay. With a hammer oh. in his hand. <laughs> He'll hammer in the morning. He'll hammer in the evening. <laughs> We have Pink Floyd releases The Dark Side of the Moon. The World Trade Center complex in New York City is officially dedicated in a ribbon-cutting ceremony. So, I mean, not to be morbid, but we have Roe v. Wade. Now we have the World Trade Center. Like, look at all this stuff. They came about in 73 that's no longer here. Crazy. Oh, but here's some good news, guys. The Watergate scandal is, is unfolding. Very, very slowly in 73. <laughs> but there were people from from that Republican Party who had the cojones to say Constitution over party. Oh, yeah. He would have he never resigned if, uh, if right. that was a scandal now. Um, Secretariat wins in a dramatic come-from-behind victory, setting the still derby record of one fifty-nine and two-fifths. So, just dramatic. I think and, Poppy. I think Poppy won some money on that. Right. It was. It's one of the all-time greatest uh, feats. And I thought that this was interesting. Oh. This, oh, I forgot this was in my cast. So in 1973, from February to May, the wounded knee occupation mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. They had 200 
Ogallala Lakota, an American Indian movement participant, seized and occupied the town of Wounded Knee in South Dakota on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, which I don't understand how they can seize and occupy something that is on the Indian Reservation. I thought that was theirs. Thus, <laughs> but, you know, I know. I know, I know, silly me. Um, protest, the, it was following the failure to impeach the tribal president, Richard Wilson, who was doing a whole bunch of corrupt things, and the U.S. government's failure to fulfill treaties with the Native American people, and they demanded reopening of negotiations. And at that year's Oscars, Sachin Littlefeather, an Apache... Um, so this is the 45th Academy Awards. Marlon Brando wins for The Godfather. He declines his award, and Little Feather goes up to speak for him, and he declined his award for, quote, the poor treatment of Native Americans in the film industry. But she wasn't allowed to give the speech that Brando had prepared for her to give in his place because they're like, no, you can't say that. And so she like gives a truncated speech. And then behind the scenes where there's all the press gathered, she gives his whole spiel. And John Wayne apparently had to be physically restrained from going. He was going to physically assault a woman. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. And had to be <laughs> restrained and stuff. And so um, she was able to read his full speech backstage. And it was... Uh, a big time Oscar moment. It was it was one of the biggest. Yeah. And then I thought that this was interesting. So the movie takes place in 1936 and the movie comes out in 1973, which is 37 years. Hmm. So from 2022, 37 years ago was 1985. <laughs> so, so basically it's like what we did Last week in Beverly Hillbillies mm -hmm. in the Nerd Alerts for 1984. Oh, yeah. I, how wild is that? That is crazy. The top films from 1973 are The Way We Were. Papi number four is Papillion. Number three is American Graffiti. Number two is The Sting. And the top box office draw for 1973 was The Exorcist. Oh, I see that. The mm -hmm. Academy Award Best Pictures were A Touch of Class, The Exorcist. Cries and Whispers, American Graffiti, and the winner, The Sting. Have you done The Exorcist? No. So those are my nerd alerts. Christine, any nerd alerts? Um, let me double check. Uh, this is kind of, yeah, sure. Mm. It could be a nerd alert. About knee-high soda. I was hoping you would do that. You know, as a soda connoisseur myself, had to look into it. So the Chero Cola Company, never heard of that. C-H-E-R-O. You ever heard of it? No. No. Had to ask, you know. I'm only, I'm only of a certain age here, so. Had to ask the elder of us. Um, they added knee-high cola to their line of sodas in 1924 in order to offer a broader variety of flavors. The name was to remind customers that it came in knee-high tall bottles. That's oh. a lie. That was a lie, though. The bottles were not that big. I saw them. If you were a toddler, if you were a little kid. Yeah, well, that's true. 
They offered orange, grape, root beer, peach, and other flavors. Oh, I'm intrigued peach. by the peach. Yeah. But I bet they didn't have diet. And I'm <laughs> no, sugar. not back then. Um, the ads are typically a picture of a seated woman's legs where the skirt was high enough to show the stockings oh. up to the knee. Knee oh, high. Oh my goodness. Look at sex selling. I know. Who knew? Um, and then I believe it, the company turned into RC Cola. I do know RC oh, Cola. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think like um, they ended up being the corporation was bought by RC Cola. Um, oh no, sorry. In 1955, the company changed its name to Royal Crown Company after yes, the success of the Cola. RC Cola brand. Ah, RC Cola. That was what I would have yeah, in, in Lexington. Mm-hmm. And then in April 2008, Knee became a brand of Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. Oh. Now known as Keurig Dr. Pepper. Oh. Um, and then uh, in the Wikipedia article, it, it mentions Paper Moon because the one with the woman's stockings high up was, it was the logo that was seen in the Paper Moon Diner. Um, a more provocative Midwestern version of the logo, one showing a single thigh-high disembodied leg without a skirt, was referenced oh. in the story My Old Man and the Lascivious Special Award that heralded the birth of pop art. What's that? That's way too long of a title for anything. Mm. Um, but Lascivious. Uh, yeah. And as well in the film of A Christmas Story, so Shepard's invention of the now famous leg lamp in his stories of the Depression era was derived from the Midwestern knee-high logo. Wow. Oh my gosh. I know. That's fascinating. Uh, right in Erin's back, background is her little, and it's about the size of a knee-high. Right there. Cola. Yeah. Bottle. Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, advertised knee-high on the radio show and they also promoted the rc cola um and so then that's when the company started really picking up pace and they began using celebrities to enhance their sales like being crosby and jim crawford and bob hope um they all sold knee-high products because um, joan crawford's husband well this was before because oh, okay uh, her she married into Pepsi. Pepsi, yeah. So she must have been, uh, you know, selling that soda before she. She probably mm-hmm. dropped it real quick and was like, "Nah, all those things that you heard in the past about me, like in knee high, ha ha." That was before I found Pepsi Cola. Yeah, and you could still buy it. Mm. And I think now it's like I feel like I never really pay attention, but I feel like it's always in like. Brooklyn sandwich shop as like yeah. a vintage like a vintage cola, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm so glad you did that. Um, I have no nerd alert. So we are to reheatables negative. Did you see how much sugar Ryan O'Neill was putting in? Oh his coffee? my god. They might yeah. as well have a knee high. Yeah, but 
I mean, sadly, I I've seen that in real life. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, that's about right. Yeah, and then they go, we need another sugar over here. Um, so when she had her little cigar box, first of all, a cigar box. See, that's what I. Oh, I used to have that. I used to carry my school supplies in a cigar box. Oh, I didn't do that. I didn't yeah. Do that I mean, I had to go to the drugstore to the, to, I forget the dude's name. And, and he sold cigars and he would give you the empty cigar boxes. Oh, that's then, nice. Yeah. It was really nice. Um, so she they had a little, they don't give you things in packaging like that anymore. You know? No. No. And they were made so well that they would actually last you yeah. an entire year instead. Yeah. Instead of the plastic ones you buy now, but, um, she had a little jar of blue perfume. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was evening in Paris perfume. That was the stinkiest stuff. You can <laughs> I was imagine. Guess that. Oh my God. But somehow I used to get my hands on these little perfumes and then I would <laughs> create my own perfume. I would make perfume in the basement from these cheap Ooh. perfumes. Oh, I, I, I reeked. Yes. You should have gotten into business. You know, no one, no one would buy what I was making. My, I have gotten into in the past few years, expensive perfume. Oh no. But only one specific kind. Like it's uh there it's this place that you it's a specific scent and that I enjoy. And you go and they make it in front of you. Yeah, see now oh. that like you go to a perfumery and uh the it you know it's it's expensive but it lasts you. Like I only have to fill up like twice a year. And yesterday was my refill day and it always makes me feel so bougie. Yes. Oh, and they it. print you uh, your own label. And you can make your label say anything you want, but I'm always embarrassed to embarrass to say anything else. So it just says my name. That oh. is so cool. Well, I think we brought this oh, up on the okay. podcast. Okay, Aaron has a different take on perfume. Because my father would take me, I always had to go. I was my, the, the guinea pig, the pheromone guinea pig for my father to check to see how the perfume would somehow smell on my mother. So, holiday time. I would go and it would just get all in my nose, in my throat. It's it's why I I stink. <laughs> in the opposite sense of the perfume. Why I don't I don't like the perfumes. It makes me itchy. It make my throat starts to close up. I get tired all of a sudden. It's a whole thing. So you you should now that I know this, I'm like, pop, take Christine with you. <laughs> You guys go. Oh no, it's a specific. Yeah, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta get the nice stuff. It's the cheap stuff makes me sick too. Yeah, you, I wasn't getting sprayed down with cheap stuff. Like, no, no, yeah, it was. It's, it's I was true. getting the, the white diamonds in my eyes. No, yeah, but those aren't like good. No. Yeah, Just, yeah, even that. No, we're talking musk. Yeah, no, I'm not. I always. I'm wish- not. I ain't buying a perfume at a Macy's. There you go. Huh. Well, that's all that I got sprayed on. Exactly. Me, so. I always wish that I had my own unique perfume. I was going to say unique scent, but I knew that would send you into giggles and, um, (laughs) and that you always use that so that, you know, 
if if Adam were in a place and he smelled that, he'd know that you were around because you're the only person who has that beautiful scent. Yeah. But, but didn't you drink perfume one time? Yeah, that was when I was a toddler and I got drunk on perfume. Oh. Well, oh, but then <laughs> I was one time I was at Sephora a few years ago. The reason I got into this scent is because my old one that I used, they stopped making them. Mm-hmm. And there was a really good man that worked at the Sephora in Newport Town Center in Jersey City. And he would always say, he had his own Instagram. He was so passionate about perfumes. And he just told, he told me I was too young to have a signature scent. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. live a little. You need to yeah, earn that. Yeah, he said scent. this is when you're supposed well, to play true. around. You know, he was like, and this the one brand that this one brand. He's like, this is you. You mix and match, and see what they create. That's interesting to me. But so yesterday I got two trial sizes. I was like, let me see. But I just don't smell. I just don't smell like myself. Yeah. So stick with what you like. You could be the one person who, and you would be, that transcends age because you just have good good taste from all ages. Maybe that's it. That's it. I've just that transcended well age. Played. You transcended age. <laughs> Congratulations. One. <laughs> I hope I get some points for that. Okay, um, wait, I had another, no, it wasn't. Okay, other negatives. Um, giving a child to a stranger. Yeah, that was right off the bat. I that's was, my yeah. that's my LVP. <laughs> that's the worst of the worst of this movie, I think. Yeah. Um, children smoking, not great. <laughs> it's the depre- I, I always talk about the 70s being wild. The 30s, the depression, apparently. Yeah. Um, crooked cops. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. No copaganda uh, in this. No. And then quick change artists. I've dealt with them. Have A you? Lot. Oh yeah. My favorite thing to play back when because we usually have it on video to play back to like the cashiers who took the money. Because they're always so shocked. Yes. But they really do. They just like talk to you. And they always seem really nice. Right. Most of the time they seem really friendly. um, Or they yell at you and get you flustered. But yeah. That is a negative. So I figured out that with that transaction. They made like six dollars or was it more than that because they give the initial five and get the change back give her four for another five and then the 10 i i i couldn't i really tried to figure out how much they i know i couldn't i couldn't tell how much he spent in the beginning like when he gave them the 20 like when he put the 20 down that said happy birthday addy what was he buying he, oh, what was he buying? He, he just bought, bought something, something for like 17 cents or yeah. something. Yeah. And so then she gave $5. Mm-hmm. 
Change right. and $4. Change and $4. Change and four so they made like $15. Okay. Yeah. I, so this is, <coughs> and they got the stuff for free. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, with the 20. I was just trying to figure out before the 20. Yeah. It was well played, though. Yeah. I, so my my LVP for this film is me because I still don't understand the, the quick change thing. <laughs> I understand. I understand the 20, like how he went in first and did that. But the whole, like, quick change of the no, I, I like, I still still don't understand that and when I had when I worked retail at the video store I would take the money and slide I wouldn't put it in the register I would slide it on the thing and then the you know the computer would tell you how much change to give them and I would give them that and I always had what they gave me out because I was like because I had seen this film I'm like I still don't understand how this works so (laughs) that's what you gave me and this is what the machine is telling me to give you so now that's why we always tell them like once you put it in the register we won't open the register back up ah good yeah so people are still doing that yeah oh all the time but now it's more like 100 you know like yeah mm-hmm. they wow. give you a 20 dollar bill and then say like no i gave you a 100 yeah wow mm-hmm. we had somebody who I think they had, I watched the cashier, like, go check the $100 bill in the fake money counter and come back and then give the, then the person was like, no, I'm going to pay like this. Mm -hmm. So they gave the $100 bill back to the, I don't know. They just confused the shit out of you. Something like it's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're they're very nice, so you don't suspect like oh the stinky like you would suspect mm-hmm. the stinky the uh, shady person with like their their crusty face to be right sh- you know but like the nice well dressed again and... when you have a pretty face to look at and Woo! you're being engaging yeah you're looking like Ryan O'Neal and chatting me up you <laughs> just take it all. <laughs> <laughs> What else? Are those your only negatives, Teeny? I think so. I have the luggage being all tied up all all over the car. Looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, I I accidentally put that on my positives. It's funny. (laughs) Oh, I know why. Because uh, it made somebody invent those things that you put on top of your car. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. But this was a convertible, so they couldn't. No. That, that's why I, I put it, the paint job. Like, there's no way my father would ever oh allow. He wouldn't allow. He would. The rack is for aesthetic appearances only. We are not putting luggage on top of this vehicle. If he didn't can, even get the rack. The car comes with the rack. His car came without the rack. You will be taking that off. We are not the no. Beverly Hillbillies here. <laughs> No. Yeah, and the paint, the scratching of the paint, I mean, forget about it. Jeez, I could not lean against the car. Not, no. Not everybody had such a fanatical guardian as you about his car. Um, Child actors, man. Mm-hmm. So 
Tatum O'Neill had it rough. Um, she was also she was acting with her father, who was her real life father. So there's that familiarity in that. I'm sure Ryan O'Neill would have been much nicer to a stranger who was a yeah. child actor. But then it it also gives such a great performance to it because there's that natural bond. But in real life, Tatum O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill had custody of her and her brother because her mother was dependent on drugs and alcohol. So he had custody and he wasn't by his own admissions. He says that he was not a great father and he was also into alcohol and drugs and had also had a temper. Um, and the state, there's the site and the site name sounds, sounds awful, but it makes sense. Cinephilia. Oh my god, yeah. I looked at that too. Yeah. I saw that same one. But did you so there's a whole bunch of transcripts and stuff from seminars, and there's this quote that Peter Bogdanovich said, quote, Ryan and I sort of alternated on who is going to be yelling at her. Her is Tatum O'Neill, and when this is being shot, she's an eight-year-old. Right. And and I read that he did take after take after take after take after take. So it wasn't like, you know, three takes and, and she can go and have her knee-high soda. Oh. Uh, he says, you had to scare her into doing it right. After about five weeks, she really got into it and started to enjoy the shooting and was much better. Five weeks of hell. I just liked that it said, how did you work with Tatum O'Neill on Paper Moon? And Bogdanovich said, with great difficulty. And then there was a quote that said, did you have to overcome some difficulty with her father? And he said, Jesus, no, I had to keep Ryan from killing her. And yeah. he, there was a quote, God damn it, Tatum, why don't you learn your line? God damn it, I'm not going to do it again with her. Shit, we've done it 28 times. Get the lines right, Tatum. Peter, I can't do it again. I did Peyton Place 5,000 times, and I never went through anything like this. Yeah, that's hearing that at eight, eight years, years old. old, and and, and he's was, he's the parent that has custody. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and then when they were talking about, um, she, she was eight years old and didn't have any idea what the hell we were doing, and she sort of cared less. Yeah, she's eight. Yeah. She never had any discipline in her life. She was in a world of her own, and sometimes her world and the one we were trying to create on screen didn't necessarily mesh. Like the time we were shooting the carnival scene, it was a night scene, so it took us about three hours to light it. Tatum got there about 5 o'clock and did what any kid would do. She started riding the Ferris wheel, eating popcorn, eating candy corn, eating peanuts, and by the time we were ready to shoot, she was sick. She was on the floor. I told you not to eat, said Ryan. I told you, you idiot. <laughs> what? She was a kid at a carnival. Yeah. So then seeing, I mean, how her life unfolded afterwards, it's like, it's, you know, there was nobody in her. I think, I think the only person that was really in her corner for the shoot was Polly Platt. And Polly Probably. Platt was the one that, that was like, what about Ryan's? Because I think their kids, because he had worked on um, What's Up Doc, and she was there, and Tatum would be around because he had custody. And so, and Peter Bogdanovich and Polly Platt had two daughters, so they would play. And Polly Platt was like, man, she, 
she would be really good. She's like, mm-hmm. what about her? And then I'm sure that she also had guilt about how then she was being treated and and then also like knew about her home life and and that kind of thing so it was just oh tough my final negative reheatable is um so i watched the documentary on amazon the lucy and desi documentary that was directed by amy poehler i like it it's really good but it just made me think about them and this and they make this point in the documentary about how the whole reason that we have I Love Lucy is because Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz wanted to be together and have a family. And so they needed a project that they both could work on and that was stable enough where they could be together and have kids and raise a family. And because of that show and the success of it, it's we're left like we the people are left with the show and we get to keep going back and back to right. it. But they, like their family and the whole reason that they did the show didn't last, you know? And so I kind of feel the same with like Paper Moon. Like we get this awesome movie, but it's like... what cost? Yeah, you're watching this kid actor give one of the greatest performances of a child actor on screen and then just to know what the difficulty that they're going to have to go through growing up. But then they're... You know, it's there are plenty of kids who they don't have famous parents and they don't have the money and the like they have all of the bad stuff that Tatum O'Neill went through. Yeah. And none of the the good things if they could be that, you know. So yeah. I was just like, eh, wah, wah. well, thanks. I'll, I really enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you for your sacrifice. So now we're to positive repeatable. <laughs> I love that hat. It was her mother's hat, and yet it fit her head. So obviously it wasn't like you putting on a hat that had belonged to me. But I love that hat. I would have I had to cut out the top of it and just worn it as like a, a neck thing. Oh, really? <laughs> really? We're going there. Uh, they really did look alike. Yeah. Peter and Ryan, they really did. That's why when I first saw this movie... I would just assume that they were fa- like he really is her father. Right, right. Like the old ladies who didn't want to have to deal with her <laughs> saying, take her, she's obviously your child. Um, when uh, Addie, Abby, Addie, Addie, Addie said, um, oh, this one's already paid for because she saw this poor woman with Ooh. six children. Yeah. She had all them kids. That's called empathy. Mm. Uh, listening to Jack Benny. Oh. Her radio was so important that she, you know, hauled it around with her wherever she went. Well, those were like phones to people back in those days, right? Yeah. The radio? Yeah. Yeah. Social media, yeah. Um, Her mental math, I could not have kept track. Yeah. She could, yeah. Well, her life did depend on it. Yeah. And Madeline Kahn, of course. Oh, yeah. Madeline Kahn. Great. Um, I didn't write down that many positives, but $67 for new tires was a good deal. Great deal. Um, I thought it was cute. There was like a pat on the head. Somebody patted her on the head. That was cute one time. Um, and I loved her style. I did too. Mm-hmm. 
So cool. I have the the pie looked delicious in that cafe scene where she's eating the Coney Island and the knee high and he's eating that pie, that meringue. It was good meringue. Mm-hmm. I was very jealous. I was like, I haven't had lemon meringue pie in a long time. Oh, I, I made a really good one. The ending. I love the ending, how he drops her off and then he, he, you know, because he had this jalopy truck thing, and then she sees her running, and he's just like, "No, we can't do this!" And uh, like, "Whoa, what are we gonna do?" And then how the car just keeps going down, yeah. and she's like, "You still owe me two hundred dollars!" And he, and they're like, "All right, well, fine, just, just get in." So they don't have time to argue about it. And I read that um, Peter Bogdanovich had no idea how that, like, the end. He came up with the ending. I should say probably they came up with the ending. Probably Polly Platt. Yeah. yeah um, the night before, because they had the road and he knew that they, that she would going to be running after him. And so it, it's funny how he's like, it just came to me the line about the $200, but it's just like, yeah, but you would bookend it. And he did still owe her the $200 yeah. and then having the truck just run and that, Hey, also, I forgot this, but there looked like there were a bunch of, uh, at least two. There's this scene where the truck's running down, and it looks like it really is her running into the truck. Yes. And then there's the scene where they where they ripped off the moonshiner, and she's standing on top of the crate, and they take the turn, and it looks like oh my God, she yeah. really almost fell. And I forgot to look up about that. I bet she but did. It looked like it was really her. Not some stunt double. Um, I, oh, and then I have, I really liked Ryan O'Neal, even though I think in real life, he's probably not that great of a guy, but man, in this movie, he he was very attractive. Very charming. Yeah. Very charming. And also my, finally, my best reheatable is just how it looks. He said that Mm -hmm. it was shot with a red tint filter, which was done at the suggestion of Orson Welles. And that was to, that filter creates a starker image and it it makes just the lines pop and stuff. And that I like how there were so many long shots. There are so many continuous shots and there's such deep focus. Bogdanovich, he didn't like, shallow depth of field he likes the deep focus because he's like that's how the eyes are we see everything everything's in focus unless you're looking at something that's really but didn't that the landscape of kansas i mean oh yeah that was kansas yeah flat yeah dusty yeah although we didn't see any um sunflowers and that's what i associate kansas with is just sunflowers as far as you can see and And wheat wheat and wheat yeah yeah i associate kansas with spending a decade there one year so now we are to quotables if you ain't my pa i want my two hundred (laughs) dollars six hundred twenty five dollars and he bought his own whiskey oh yeah i got my mom's kimono Oh, I forgot what she said that. That's right. I got my mom's kimono. And he was saying, scruples, do you know what that is? And she said, no, I don't know what it is, 
But if you got them, you can be sure they belong to somebody else. <laughs> Zinger! Yeah, that was perfect. I loved how she called Roosevelt Frank D. <laughs> yeah, I took me a minute. I was like, wait, who's Frank? I'm like, oh, Frank Roosevelt. D. Roosevelt says, and, his we name, and then he said, each other. and his name ain't Frank, it's Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Let old Trixie sit up front with her big tits. <laughs> <laughs> Those are mine. I have, it's my money and I want it. I just kept thinking about it's my money and I want it now. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if that's where they got it from. Maybe. Um, all she do is waggle her hips and shake her old behind a little. <laughs> There's a lot of good bathroom quotes. She always has to go to the bathroom. She must have a bladder the size of a peanut. Yes. And then, but we just stopped for her to winky tink at lunch. <laughs> winky tink. I feel like that's teeny when she's out with us. Like, Again? Yeah. <laughs> Boats in the country never lock anything. Don't you know that? Um, and then just when you think you got it made, it just ain't made, is it? Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Yes. Oh, and also, Daddy, I need to go to the shit house. <laughs> I there have... was a lot of good ones. There's there were so many. So many. I have, uh, of course, drink your knee high and eat your Coney Island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just, just the way how she's like 74 when she corrects him and mm -hmm. says like, oh, oh, and she's like, lets him do his whole spiel. And she's just like 74. <laughs> um, I like when Emma Jean says, I tried to push her out of a window in Little Rock. Little Rock. Yeah. I like when, she, when Addie said, well, where are you from? And Imogene said, nowhere. She said, well, you got to be from somewhere. Not really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I like it in this scene that I have more on in Tasty Titties. But they're, <laughs> they're like driving along and it's a whole long scene. And just the way that Ryan O'Neill delivers this line, it cracks me up every time when he's just like, we'll just have to keep on veer and that's all. They're going to... Veer, veer, like we'll just have to keep on. I feel like that's a good like life quote. Well, we're just gonna have to keep on veer, and that's all. Yeah, yeah. Pivot, 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 pivot. pivot. <laughs> okay, LVP. I've already told you. Sending a little girl off with a total stranger. And mine was me for still not being able to understand the quick change thing. <laughs> Mine is gendering children. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, this movie was very progressive in its. Yeah, I felt like, but then I got like I was trying to look up like, because to me, Addie seemed like a, an icon. Yes. Yes. But I didn't see much about like. I didn't see much about like I don't know. There wasn't a lot about that. But that was me. I was Addie. Right. Who was I? I, yeah. I feel like I've like when I was in sixth grade, somebody said I, this boy on the bus asked me if I knew I was a girl. I'm like, why would you say that to anybody? Oh my god! And then my mom, I had just gotten my period. My mom said you should have pulled down your pants and <laughs> <laughs> too much Whoa, information. Rita. 
Wow. I, yeah. di- I did not expect that from Rita. New props. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought she was so cool. But yeah, that's my LVP. And I feel like we've been talking a lot about that with the don't say gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Idiocracy. But then it's like, um, okay, well, if you're not going to do that, if you don't like that, then stop making these fucking t-shirts that are like future heartbreaker. Yes. Uh, you know, like for you know, zero year olds or whatever the hell they are. Right. Like, you know, I, it's just daddy's little princess. That's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh but I God. also read an article about how this movie was kind of like unintentional, like Bogdanovich didn't do it intentionally, but like it was the unintentionally like the antithesis of Lolita. Oh, that was interesting. Well, he did say like that. The, it- and the daddy daughter thing could have gone very wrong. Like you. Well, we're not around in the teenage years, so we don't know how how like, hopefully their cons are going very well and that life is, is going good and she doesn't have to resort to uh mm-hmm. but if she does of her own accord she is allowed to right but tricks yeah mm-hmm. okay so that's MVP, my, my mvp is tatum o'neill i mean she was I read something where Peter Bagdanovich said she got an Oscar for this raw portrayal, but I got her to that raw portrayal by all of the extra shots we had to keep doing over and over again. But no, she. Congra- yeah, congratulations. You did your job as a director. But yeah. she, that's her. With an eight year old child. Yeah. And you know how we know it? Because she follows this film up with a little film called The Bad News bears and uh she was awesome in that too so and he didn't direct that did he no he did no. not so that was all on her fuck you peter <laughs> the man just passed <laughs> well he shouldn't have said that when he was alive which leads right into my mvp uh polly platt yes I have yes. look at every detail in this film. That's production design, costume design, and she was non-credited with location design. So in the costume design and the production design, look at the cafe scene alone. Yes. You're gonna tell me that they found a cafe that looked like that? No. Right. Right. She was also the location scout. The roads, the scene where she was on a the the hilltop with Trixie and Addie have their yes. little thing. Like, an article that I read basically was like, yeah, she pretty much, with the locations, she idiot-proofed it. It's like, just... And all I could think of was, are there any snakes there? That's what I thought, too. Because this was Kansas. There were snakes. Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't think about that then. Thank goodness. Is it my MVP? It is. Real question. Yes. Was he her dad? We don't know. I think it, I think it, I think it is. Okay, well, I don't but, care because I'm sticking with my MVP. Uh, my MVP is Chosen Family. Oh, yes. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They ended up staying together and 
she didn't want to go with the only blood relative she had left and maybe this guy was maybe he wasn't yeah Yeah. and the thing with her the relation she's always like we have the same jawline i think that because in real life you know that they are real life father and daughter that you think like oh they are so i I think in the book that they aren't related maybe but they're like they couldn't really get away with it because they're really related but i also think that maybe it's a thing where they really could be because he knew a lot about his mother the mother's life and he knew enough to know who to shake down to get the two hundred dollars so he was intimate with the mother so he very possibly could have and they did look at lo- enough alike where you know they didn't have Mori Povich around to tell them like Mm-mm. you know it's so true. but <clears throat> even if he wasn't they did find themselves like Tini said because mm-hmm. she she looked around it would have been a nice place with aunt whatever her name was and there was pie waiting for her and but that wasn't the life she wanted and or would it I mean Harry Potter wasn't a thing yet, but Harry Potter shows us mm-hmm. that just because you're related to people doesn't mean oh. they're going to treat you right. Oh, yeah. And and Addie only enhanced his con because the little girl comes up and goes, mm-hmm. you know, Daddy, can, can we hurry up and go to Mommy's grave now? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so now we are to recasting, and I didn't do one. I, I kind of did half a one. I did not recast Addie because I have a, it's hard to cast child actors. Exactly. I don't, exactly. Uh, um, but I do have as Moe's Don Cheadle. Because I thought um, he would be a great Moe's. Because he's a great con man. You know? I mean, in film. And then as Trixie, I have Taraji P. Henson. <laughs> She'd oh be a great trick. That was the extent that I went. I was just like, ah oh, man. But it would all hinge on finding a a, a child right. actor who and it sucks because you would kind of find the person like, oh, they're gonna nail it. But then my at least for me, I'm like, am I gonna ruin this kid's life though? <laughs> By putting well, them in this part. Cause all I could think of was Marseille Martin when she was younger would have been great because she could have that attitude oh yeah and her life was already uh, a child star so right it wouldn't be on you that's true that's true but we'd have to turn back the clock yeah you'd have to yeah yeah yeah. okay tasties all right i have some Okay. okay go how paper moon became the title Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Bogdanovich thought Addie Prey sounded like a snake or a lizard. So he oh. just was like, how about Paper Moon? And they were like, but why? And he's like, why does it matter? It's a good title. And so then that's how that scene got added in there. He was like, well, we guess we got to put one of those Paper Moon things that you see at a carnival. So people yeah. think that there's a reason for it. And it was the end of the movie. That's what made uh, Moe's turn back around. Mm-hmm. And did, then, huh? Did you have that? Because um, he was looking for music for the. Because when I remember, I didn't say anything about who did the music. And that's because yeah. nobody did the score. Oh. And he was looking for music and he 
uh, came across the song It's Only a Paper Moon by Billy Rose, Yip Harburg, and Harold Arlen. Uh, that was for this movie? Yeah. That, p- oh, my oh, it was, and so it was he, a song song. Yeah, it was a song it? song. Yeah. yeah, he was looking at old songs from from this time period and came across that. And so he, because you, like you said, he hated the titles. He had a list of titles and he uh, mentioned them to Orson Welles because Orson Welles was a mentor. And Orson Welles heard the title Paper Moon and he said, quote, that title is so good you shouldn't even make the picture. You should just release the title. Yeah. Yeah, and so and the the studio was like, wait, what are you talking? Pa- what is a paper moon? There's no such thing as a paper moon, and that's why like Teeny said, they're like, all right, we have to add this scene. Yeah, I didn't know what this is about because the connotation I have with paper moon, there's a strip club in Richmond called Paper Moon. Oh, and that like it's this big billboard sign, just like like the Bada Bing or something, but with a paper yes. moon. Yes. Yeah. I remember seeing that. <laughs> So that, I was like, what are we about to watch? <laughs> porn, baby, porn. It's still open. It opens at 7 p.m. tonight. Do they have a buffet? Let's see. Um, You laugh, but, but some of them, they're renowned come, for their buffets. Come to our original location and discover the unique experience that's made the Paper Moon famous. The ultimate Ooh. evening in premium luxury, surrounded by surrounded by alluring and sexy women, whose only desire is to make your visit a night to remember. But is there Richmond, any... Vir- Richmond, Virginia's top strip bar near me. The original Paper Moon caters to a discerning class of professional clientele, including business travelers, executives, and uninhibited locals alike, with <laughs> highest and most exquisite standards. The difference is apparent as soon as you step inside. Uh, discerning you had me at the discerning. best the best strippers in virginia you could get a vip experience that um and get that something extra that you deserve oh my Ooh. god that's something i thought there was no touching table side but well that's only if you're vip um oh wait okay the owner suite is their newest experience Treat yourself to the ultimate indulgence. 45 minutes, a personal stage, a body of, a bottle of blue, <laughs> body, a bottle of crystal and your favorite girls. And then the emperor's room, you can ask for your favorite girl and you get an, a, a bottle of Ace of Spades champagne. That sounds disgusting. Ace oh, the um, you guys are going to want to do the king's dance. It includes a bottle of Dom Perignon champagne. Oh, can I, can mm-hmm. I do that without the king dance? They also have a limousine service, free transportation from any Richmond area hotel for groups of five or more. Well, definitely. I mean, they definitely. Oh, they know. do have a tantalizing menu options pair impeccably with the company of our sultry entertainers, providing you with a culinary experience like no other. Mm. I bet they have shrimp. <laughs> they have. Um, uh, they have chips and salsa, mozzarella sticks. They have a bunch of appetizers. Um, a moon burger. Hmm. Not seeing any seafood, which is strange. <laughs> <laughs> if you get what I mean. I do. I'm just yeah. 
The smell is because of the seafood. <laughs> oh my! Moving on. <laughs> okay. Well, I have Tatum O'Neill was ten when she won the Oscar, but she was actually eight when this was filming, right? Yeah, and don't don't bury the lead. She was the youngest person to ever win a competitive Oscar. And she's four years younger than fellow nominee Linda Blair, who was nominated for The Exorcist. Right. Also, she holds the record for the longest performance to win a Best Supporting nomination. She had one hour, six minutes, and 58 seconds of screen time. Who was it that said she wasn't a supporting actress? Oh, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn said she wasn't a supporting actress. She was a lead actress. I was the supporting actress that should have been nominated. No, Madeline Kahn was nominated. Oh, okay. So she was like, she was the one who should have won. Um, Her father was not nominated. The night of the Oscars, neither parent attended. Man, can you imagine that? Wait, your daughter is nominated for an Academy Award and like that just said something like that tells you all you need to know right there about her childhood. And when she won it, her father smacked her because he hadn't even been nominated. She won an Academy Award. She was 10 years old. Neither parent showed up. And when he did see her again, he smacked her. Do you believe that? The cigarettes teeny. There was no nicotine. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It was lettuce, oh. and they nauseated her. Can you imagine no. smoking, smoking lettuce? lettuce? Disgusting. No. Oh, no. my gosh. Okay, so I'm looking up. Here we go. Oh, man. Okay, so this is Best Actress of that year, the categories. We have the queen, Joanne Woodward, for Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams. Barbara Streisand in The Way We Were. Marsha Mason in Cinderella Liberty, Ellen Burstyn in The Exorcist, and the winner was Glenda Jackson in A Touch of Class. I mean, wow. That's that. You got some heavy hitters there that yeah. she was going up against. Every one of them. Marsha Mason back in that time was, she was like Meryl Streep. Oh, I've never heard of Marsha Mason yeah, before. She was, she was big time. Uh, Orson Welles suggested the black and white with the red filter you've talked about. Mm-hmm. Peter Bagdanovich said working with Tatum O'Neill was one of his most miserable experiences of his life. Well, she's an eight year. Well, they always say that about directing, never work with kids and animals, but still he like, it's like, get yourself on. Are you, are you a director? then get yourself on her level. It's up to you to go to her level, not her to go to your level. She's eight. Yeah, but that's not how film directors operate. (laughs) At least not male film directors uh, from the beginning of film directing time until maybe we're starting to see a touch of a difference. But I wouldn't hold your breath. It's a certain type. Aaron, do you know who was originally supposed to play these parts? Oh my gosh, I do indeed. Mind I, blown. And I feel that the reason why we why this didn't come to fruition is because <laughs> probably Joanne Woodward was like, "No, <laughs> what? I, my kid's not going to smoke lettuce." 
I wonder how old she was at this time. It was uh, okay, listeners who don't know. <clears throat> the Gone with the Bush's favorite Paul Newman was supposed to be the Ryan O'Neill part, and his daughter mm-hmm. Nell Potts would be playing the Tatum O'Neill part. I wonder how old Nell Potts was at that time. I don't know, but she was a child actress, so she she wasn't a. Well, I'm gonna have to look her up. I didn't know. Um, okay, I did look up two hundred dollars at that time would be four thousand dollars in twenty twenty. Oh my god! Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, give me my four thousand dollars. And the six twenty five they had they had accumulated would now be twelve about twelve thousand dollars. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson were also looked at being Moe's. Well, you know the thing with the casting of this. So we already mentioned the thing about... Um, oh, also because John Huston was going to direct with Paul Newman. Yes. And his daughter. So this is at Paramount Pictures. And Paramount Pictures refused. They didn't want Ryan O'Neill. Because Ryan O'Neill had had an affair with Ali McGraw when they made the love story. Yes. And Paramount Pictures at that time was run by Robert Evans, who was Ali McGraw's significant other when said affair happened. So, you know, he was like, no, I am not having this man. I am not working with this man. But Peter Bogdanovich put his foot down and was like, I'm not going to make this movie without Ryan O'Neill. And at the time, What's Up Doc was in theaters and it was doing a lot of money so robert evans was stuck with the one thing that would make somebody like him have to give way and that is stockholders aka money so he was like man fine so they were they were able to sign off on it do you have other uh tasty i was just i was looking up nail pots so So I have. What? Did you see say the thing on when you talked about? I was just reading mine. Did you say the thing when you talked about the the lettuce that they glued sandpaper to her hands? No. What? They glued sandpaper. Sandpaper to her hands so she could light a match with one hand. Oh, I wondered how she did that. Yeah, they glued sandpaper to her hands. Oh. And and, and the, her her what, what's her guardian gonna say? No, don't glue sandpaper to my no. <laughs> no. I mean that's probably the the least bad thing that happened to her on the set. Truth be told. Well, Tatum O'Neill wrote an autobiography. I think she's also wrote a couple of them, but in one of them titled "A Paper Life," she talks about the physical and emotional abuse and her dad's drug abuse. Her brother Griffin said, quote, my father gave me cocaine when I was 11 and insisted I take it. He was very abusive. He was a very abusive, narcissistic psychopath. He gets so mad he can't control anything he's doing. And in the Wikipedia uh, page, it also said that he hit on Tatum O'Neill with his daughter at Farrah Fawcett's funeral in 2009. Oh, my Ooh. God. So, you know, she has story. And then she, later on in life, so she had a whole bunch of problems, and then she married John McEnroe. <laughs> and 
yeah. and was with That's him. That's right, I forgot about that. So she's she's done a lot of work on herself and continues to do a lot of work on herself as anyone in her life would be. And just I think it's just a marvel that however she is because she's still alive. Yeah, well when they had the whole um the Blasey Ford stuff going on, like she had an Instagram post about how she was abused multiple times. I think starting at like the age of five. Yeah, it was just, just what a, what a hard, difficult road. I'm going to, I'm going to look into her biographies. Yeah. Um, so Paul Bogdanovich said that the lone oneer that's a, a film term, that's a continuous shot in a feature film. And it's the scene where Addie and Mose are fighting in the car over running out of Bibles. That mm-hmm. that, that took two days and 39 takes to get right. And they had to shoot it on this a stretch of, it was a one mile stretch of road before they would hit a very modern part of town. Right. And so any flub that would happen, they would have to turn around and start all over again. And so that's why there were like uh, Ryan O'Neill was getting so angry and stuff. And then interestingly enough, in the version that is shown on the, in the made into the film, his one of his he flubs one of his lines and it gets overdubbed, but you kind of don't even huh, mention, right, notice right. it because that's the magic of cinema. Um, they had, of course, it was Polly Platt who even suggested this novel, mm-hmm. and the you know so MVP and the locations were Hayes, McCracken, and Wilson, Kansas. And McCracken, Kansas, McCracken, Kansas, and St. Joseph, Missouri, which was the starting point of the Pony Express. I've been there, and it is also where Jesse James was shot while straightening a picture frame. And And where where did the bullet come out? Above his eye. His eyeball. Oh, his eyeball. Mm -hmm. And, And I've seen his dead body laying in the casket. And I've seen where the bullet came out of his eyeball into the wall. And I've seen the picture that he was trying to straighten. And best believe, anytime I straighten a picture, I think of that man taking a bullet. Really, I'm surprised you're not in therapy about that. (laughs) But I did not realize it was going to be such a significant emotional event for you. (laughs) I will always remember St. Joseph. I was like, St. Joseph? St. Joseph? (laughs) They're going to St. Joe. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, it was nominated for Madeline Kahn, Tatum O'Neill. Of course, she won the Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound. It got four stars from Roger Ebert. He really liked mm-hmm. this film. Oh, I didn't read his review. And Peter Bogdanovich, he saw it as the anti-Shirley Temple movie. Mm. Which well, I think kind yeah. of made sense, yeah. you know, because Shirley Temple movies were in the Depression era, and right. this was like the opposite of that. And so then here are some tips from Peter Bogdanovich's film tips for you, oh. all you filmmakers oh. out there. There you go. Cast the right actors in the right parts. Check. Good tip. If you have two good actors, there's not a there's not a reason to cut around a lot, you know. Let let the chefs cook, if you will. Yeah. Okay. 
Forget about shallow depth of field. Everything mm, in focus is the way the eye sees. Mm. Silent looks sure. between people are what movies are all about. Agreed. Mm. Not what podcasting's all about, though. <laughs> no. We do have our silent looks uh, among us. Indeed. And the best kind of movie acting is with the eyes. Oh. That's what Tyra Banks says about modeling, modeling too. Yes, yes, yes. And those are my tasty titties. Outstanding. Christine, did we do your tasties? Yeah, we did. Okay, well. This is just one of my favorite. It still holds up to me. It's one of my favorite films of all time, I have to say. It's a good one. I'm really sorry for what Tatum O'Neill had to go through to get this film on celluloid or whatever. But she was going to have to go through it anyway. So at least. At least she brought us some fun. It is a fun film. It's a fun film. And if nothing else, you learn about that making change situation that uh, be on the lookout. If you if you can, if you can follow that. If you're a cashier, be on the lookout. Yeah. just know this can happen and, and just shut it down right away. Well, it's also just a good thing of like of just con people. That the whole reason that they're it comes from confidence man. So you can exactly. be a confidence a confidence person, and that's the whole thing is that they get your money because they give you confidence in them. And so. may I say it can be any uh, color, shape of of person who walks the earth, not not a certain group of people are just the con people mm-hmm. but i mean oh, to no. put the cast oh, all kinds of quick change artists exactly yeah. cast system in america makes you think that a certain group of people are more likely to be the con mm-hmm. people but hey i mean ryan o'neill looked pretty blonde and blue-eyed to me in this mm-hmm. so and you got a little kid that's also in on it yeah. you, gotta, you gotta watch out for them little kids that right. as as oprah taught me they're just little people. Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> so next week. That's me. Uh, okay. Let's see. What are you going to guess about? Mm. So we're current day. Current day? We're current. The year is 2021. 2021? The wow. mm, it's won some accolades. It won some accolades in 2021. Maybe 2022. It, Side story. No. Um. It premiered at the Sundance Film. Minari. Never heard of that. Oh. <laughs> I, love I love when you do that. <laughs> It's a remake of a French film from 2014. Force majeure. No. Who the fuck is she? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Um, and okay, but it did something different and right in the remake that the original one did not do. That has to do with casting. Yeah, this this makes sense. I, I, I but I can't, yeah. This is this there are some cylinders firing. Cylinders firing. 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 Yeah, like I've heard of this, 
and they redid it, but they did it right in terms of casting. And at the 94th Academy Awards, the film won all three of its nominations, Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay, becoming the first film distributed by a streaming service to win Best Picture. Streaming service. The Queen's Gambit. No. The Academy yeah. Award. What is that? I don't know what Par- the Academy is. Parasite? No. Um, let's tell you the plot. What do you want me to just tell you? Yeah. No, I went to guess. No. Okay. No. Okay. It's directed by Sean Hader, S-I-A-N. Streaming on Apple TV. Oh, Coda. Yes. <gasps> so good. Oh, you saw it already. Yes. But oh, okay. I, Did you both I, see it? Yeah. I you both so- saw it? Yeah. Oh, I'm After sorry. she watched it, she yeah, told me. I texted no, you all. But I I'm watching Coda now. I hi- and then I texted you. I highly recommend it. It's so good. <laughs> it is. Oh, oh, you want to do something else? No. no. I want to do it because I want to talk about it. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Well, I missed that. So. And how was she not nominated what? for? It's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The travesty. Yeah. So. It's so good and so important. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I have goosebumps. Okay, well, and Ruby Rossi is the only hearing member of her family. Her parents, Freak and Jackie, and older brother Leo are all deaf. She assists with family fishing business and plans to join it full-time after high school. And originally, this was a film, a, a French film that came out in 2014, but they had all hearing actors. Yes, as- yes. And that yes. start all hearing actors. But this one start. I mean, I don't know too much about it, but I know it started at least two the actors who are deaf, and one of them had already was already the first female actor to win an award, Marley Matlin. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the eighties. But then Troy Kotsur. He became the first male actor, deaf male actor, to win. And you are gonna award. love it. You are going. I to just keep love seeing it. all these things about people crying. And... Wait, so wait, Tina, you haven't seen it yet? No, I oh. defy you not to cry. Oh I my god! I defy you not to cry <laughs> at the end. Oh my god! I three tissues at least. Oh. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it it's it's just oh it's so good i'm crying now thinking of it i, oh. I wanted to do this so i'm so glad we're doing this and i keep remember that the okay when we did beverly hills cop how i was talking about how it all came to me because i was listening to the spotify playlist that was created from aretha franklin's duet with mm-hmm. george michael mm-hmm. <laughs> well there's a lot of Aretha Franklin songs, and there's her cover of All I Need to Get, like the song that's in yes. Coda, with, and it's Aretha Franklin, and I'm just like, man, I, if I were her, I would not want to know that this version of the song existed, because it would mess me up, because it's Aretha Franklin doing that song, and Aretha Franklin was probably the best cover artist of all time, because she made every song her own, but then you're just like, that. it's such a great song, because it just instantly gets stuck in your head, and you'll just keep singing it. That's It's a great choice. Good job. 
so okay, much great. humor. Oh my God. The father is hysterical. The yeah. father and mother together, Marley Matlin and uh, uh, Oscar winner. Troy. Troy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so good because, um, We'll I... save it for next week, Ma. Okay, we got okay, a whole okay, week. Okay, it's a, okay. it's available to stream on Apple Plus if you have that. Yeah. And if yeah, watch it before we do it because there will be spoilers spoiled. But oh, I want everybody to see this film. It's so good. Oh, I'm excited. Yes. Well then, well this week was Paper Moon. And next week is Coda. I'm so excited. Well, listeners, there you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.